Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Time to rewind. It's the Chris and Amy Rewind Recap. Oh, what a day. We started by, uh, well, by the way, Nate Gatter is here. He's in for Amy Mark's course, who was on her vacation. I said her vacation like it's the first one that's happened. Well, it's um, the first one of the year, I think. First one of the year. As far as we know, we're only 12 days in, but the, look at her go. The last one of 2023 was, what, December 26th to 29th, and uh, now yep. January 11th and 12th. That's correct. Not bad. Last, um, and you know that because you were in for her. I was. So you were just in for her. She basically pays my bills, though, so I appreciate that. If it, man, if it weren't for Amy Marks cores, you'd have no income. I'd be in trouble. You really would. Um, so, hey, Nate says thanks, Amy. Yeah, count one for Amy. So, uh, started off the show talking with uh, Hancock and Kelly about, well, we talked football, actually. We spent a little bit of time talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who are going to play in absolutely frigid temperatures tomorrow. A game which is only free in the St. Louis area on KMOX. You otherwise have to go pay for Peacock if you don't have it. Uh, in order to watch the game tomorrow. But you can listen to it right here, 7 o'clock kickoff. In fact, we've got NFL playoffs all Saturday, so both games are here live on this fine radio station and the Odyssey app. Tickets for the game right now if you want to go. StubHub, Nate Gatter. How much do you think it is to go to see the Chiefs play the Dolphins tomorrow in a playoff game? With or without fees? Uh, prior to fees. I bet StubHub. you could get in if you were just looking single ticket in the upper bowl. I bet you could get in for 50 bucks, 55 bucks. $44 there right now is the cheapest ticket. If you're looking for a pair, you get 44, 47, fit a lot of these tickets available because tomorrow, and where kickoff, your parka, whew, the kickoff tomorrow, negative two, Pre-wind chill, and it's supposed to be down to about 35, negative 35 with the wind chill. So, good luck. Have a good time. Uh, Good luck to the Chiefs, and again, we'll be here on KMOX. We also discussed the Iowa caucuses coming up, and that is uh, next week, just three days away from that, right? One, two, three. Yeah, we're three days away from the Iowa caucuses, which will, uh, it's going to be a big day for the GOP as they try to move closer to a nomination, which I think all of us believe Trump is going to win uh, in Iowa even and win the nomination overall because, well, he's just got ridiculous amounts of support among Republicans right now. But it will be interesting to see what happens, Nate, because the weather is so bad early next week in Iowa if people come out and who it's going to benefit, uh, Hancock and Kelly think it benefits Trump. Makes sense. I mean, yeah. it, it makes sense to me just intuitively. They have so much more expertise than I have, but it makes sense that the, the person with the most fanatical support is probably going to benefit from more obstacles being put between his voters and the act of voting. Yes. We also discussed uh, the Southwest Airlines tweet from a couple of days ago where they 
just sort of highlighted the fact they had six females on the flight crew and that was it. There were two female pilots and then four female flight attendants and uh, certain parts of uh, extreme conservative right wing Twitter took exception to it because of what has become an anti diversity, equity and inclusion. So DEI measures. There is a, a group of people that has led a charge against DEI generally around the country saying it's a bad thing. I don't. And I, I, I don't think generally it's a bad thing. I think sometimes in some areas, in some places with some managers, it might be implemented poorly. But by and large, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing when you tell companies, hey, you're still hiring on merit ultimately, but also maybe you should pay attention to some groups that you haven't paid attention to because there are a lot of qualified people who are minorities, who are women, who don't even get the look in the first place. And I liken it to the Rooney rule in football in the NFL where, where teams, when they have a head coaching opening, are required to interview um, or at least make contact with a couple of minority candidates. And the reason that is done is that despite the fact three-fourths of the league, the players, are black, it's still something like three-fourths, if not more. And I think actually this year it's probably 80 or 90% of the coaches are white. Even though the league is heavily, heavily weighted toward black players, um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that those black players don't filter into head coaching positions. But what has happened historically is owners of teams and general managers, they tend to hire people who look like them. That's just... That happens everywhere. Yeah, that's, I think that's most people. That's so, what I was going to say before is that generally most people, whether they're conscious of it or not, this is sort of along the lines of the nepotism or, or funneling things on purpose. It can happen subconsciously that people tend to just favor yes. other people who look like them, whether in job circumstances or any any others. People tend to gravitate toward people with whom they, they think they share similarities. And if you don't know a person and you're just yep. looking at them, then you're left to rely on things like gender and race and, I don't know, hairstyle, something, things that are cosmetic that make you think that person is similar to you. And I'm sure that there is some racism involved in some hiring situations with some managers. But I think most of the time it's just subconscious. I don't think that people are actively like, oh, I'm not going to hire this black guy. I don't want that. I don't think people do that. Again, it does happen, I'm sure, but these efforts are to me, overall good, not that it's being implemented perfectly or well in all situations, but for the most part, I think it is because all you're doing is saying, hey, what typically happens is you hire somebody who looks like you. So maybe give a look to somebody else that you haven't even considered. I, I can't I can't look at that as a bad thing at all. Nor should you, I don't think. No, but I do know that some people take exception to it. We had texters who say uh, and have been texting into the show that I have no chance of advancement at my company because I'm not a minority. We've had a couple of those. Uh, 314-436-7900. And I'm not saying, again, that it doesn't happen for you in your specific instance, but it also could be that maybe whoever gets hired in front of you is deemed to be more qualified, even if they're a minority hire because of their, you know, their, their resume. 
And again, not in all situations, but I think by and large, it is a good thing. We also talked to Mike Claiborne because it is winter warm-up weekend here in St. Louis at Bush Stadium and Ballpark Village. Uh, tomorrow, the festivities begin. The Cardinals caravan is ongoing. It probably will. I don't know how, how significant, how big it's going to be because, you know, and basically those contracts were done, um, you know, they're really not uh, budget busters, more or less. I mean, those are just contracts that um, they were going to have to do anyway. Uh, but, I, you know, this team isn't finished yet, I don't think. You know, they'll go into spring training and, and get a look at some people. And if they need to go out and get somebody, they will. There's a lot of good players that are still without jobs right now. So I think we just have to stand by and see what happens. That's Mike Claiborne about the signings, the um, arbitration signings to avoid arbitration uh, that happened yesterday by the Cardinals, Ryan Helsley being one of them. So uh, some some players getting their contracts locked up for 2024 and then the likelihood of what they do outside of it if they make additional moves. And I think you can see maybe something happening, but I agree with Claves. There's not going to be anything of real significance that happens between now and spring training next month. I think that's probably right. I mean, we, we heard even Bill DeWitt III saying publicly that he doesn't anticipate they'll do anything to add any significant payroll from where they are now. Um, I, it depends, I guess, on the word, the definition of the word significant. But I would think even a trade for Dylan Cease, if you imagine it's going to include giving up minor league players or maybe major league players who are on rookie contracts and making something approaching the minimum salary, even Dylan Cease at his arbitration number could be interpreted. I mean, I think a lot of people, if you ask them, do you consider, you know, eight, ten million dollars a significant amount of money, they would say, yeah. And that would probably be the increase in payroll that you're looking at adding a Dylan Cease. So even sure. that maybe would be difficult financially. But I do think if there is going to be any sort of significant addition from a personnel standpoint at this point, obviously, it's much more likely to be full in a pen, trade full for pen, somebody like that who, yeah, I don't who think is under control. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I think I think bullpen guys are are easily the most likely I would I'd be surprised if you got even like a bench bat because they have so many of those guys already even with trading away Richie Palacios yeah I don't um I would be stunned if they did but I will say this if if they did go bold and they acquired somebody like Cease man I think now you're really talking they did a lot of work to make the rotation better during the offseason, they certainly did. But I don't think you you're really it, talking you yet, though. I mean, no, no, no. I, I, I looked at the rotation as basically this, where on, it was. Hold on. In before. this in this division, absolutely, you're talking. Um, because this this is still a winnable division. It's not great. It's still winnable. That's true. But when you say up against the Dodgers and teams like that, eh, I'm just putting them up against the rotation up. from last year. I don't know that it's dramatically better. Essentially, you replaced Montgomery with Gray, yes. and you replaced Flaherty and Wainwright with Lynn and Gibson. Is that an improvement? Uh, probably a marginal one, but not a significant one. And I and I think you know Flaherty at least has the upside of in any given year, if let alone any, I mean even in any given start, if he can if he's on his A game, he can be great. Uh, I I don't know that any of those guys except Sonny Gray has the upside of even Flaherty, let alone the upside and consistency combination that Montgomery showed. Um, so for for me, the rotation is on the whole, if it's better, only marginally better right now. Now, obviously, adding somebody like Dylan Cease would would dramatically change that conversation, but. For me right now, I don't feel like the Cardinals are significantly better than they were last year. And if you feel like their chances are significantly better in the division, it's only because of a regression to the mean that last year was an unusually unlucky, lousy year. 
And I, I could buy that, that, that they're likely to improve even if they just ran out the same 26 guys from last season because last season was sort of an underperformance. But I don't feel like on paper the team is significantly better. Do you? I think the rotation is better than it was last year. Um, yeah. I, I well, Where do you see which one of those well, guys? Define significant. Are we talking like 25 to 30% better? Probably that. Which one of those Which guys I think do you see as the biggest improvement? When I, I mean, I guess Wainwright Sonny was Gray, so lousy probably. last year. But you see yeah. a, a Sonny Gray being significantly better than Jordan Montgomery. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Uh, significantly better than him because that's I look at it as I think Gray replacing I think Montgomery uh, and Lynn replacing Flaherty and Gibson replacing yeah, Wainwright, or you can plot those two guys, whatever you want. We talked about this yesterday. MLB Network did a list of uh, top ten starting pitchers in baseball, and Gray was ten. Yeah. And and Montgomery is good. I think Gray is better, and I think he has potential to be better if he stays healthy. But yeah. he has potential to be a lot better if he stays healthy. So that's fair. in that regard, I think. I think they are better there. So maybe 25 to 30% better in the rotation, which is a, that's a good number. Bullpen well, shaping has to be better I'm, too. The Kittredge edition, well, I think was a good one at cost. Yeah. What I'm counting on is, and maybe this is just hopeful, but what I'm counting on is the rest of the division kind of coming back a little bit, but Cincinnati I'm concerned about Cincinnati. Me. Yes. They're young and they're getting better. It's a question of how much are they interested in investing and making them the team better, which I don't know that they are. The Brewers, they're they're a weird team. I never know what to do with the Brewers. I don't either. And also, um, I would say the Cubs, that's the one that scares me the most. Really? The Cubs scare you more than Cincinnati? Because they have resources and they will use them. Yeah. That's Nate Gatter. I'm Chris Ranji. Uh, An evening with Oliver Marmol, the Cardinals manager, is coming up January 18th at Tapawingo Golf Club. And this is an opportunity for you to get dinner, drinks, and be part of a Q&A session, an intimate Q&A session with the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. Tom Ackerman will be there hosting. You get to ask questions. Tom will ask him some questions. It is 75 bucks a person, but that gets you dinner. It gets you a couple of drinks. It gets you um, intimate time with the Cardinals manager, who will not that kind of intimate, you weirdo. Don't do that, Nate. Uh, it, it gets you a good opportunity to uh, get the Cardinals manager in a situation that you tip. Hold on. Don't do that again. Don't do that. I don't mean it like that. See, you now. You just made it worse. Now, okay, I did make it worse. <laughs> I had given I'm you fair warning is, and you just dove in. What I'm saying is, Oliver Marmol, you usually don't get him. Uh, you know, in a, in a small environment. He's with, usually with, not so exposed. Is he's what you're not saying. so. You know what? You better stop it. <laughs> We're going to be in so much trouble now. The uh, so you know, usually they're guarded. They won't be as guarded. He's not going to be as guarded when it's it's his people. You could be. Part no, of the I agree with what you're saying. To be to be clear, seventy five bucks for dinner, drinks. With and Oliver I, and I think Oliver Marble also is a very straight up guy. I mean, when he comes on KMOX, especially with with Tom Ackerman on Sunday mornings, I think he's he's very straight up to begin with. So I would anticipate that you, that you'll get it straight from him uh, that night.
75 bucks, dinner, drinks, uh, uh, an evening with Oliver Marmol, Tapawingo Golf Club. Tom Ackerman, as I mentioned, is there also. KMOX.com slash events. Tickets are selling, so you better, uh, you need to get on it. All right? Do it. And we've got Billy Joel and Sting tickets to give away. We will do that before the show is over on KMOX. Hey, so uh, Travis Kelsey's retiring, huh? Oh, wait. He is not. No, he's not. Or is he? Because people have been talking about this. You know, he's not had his best season. He's been dating Taylor Swift. That's all anybody talks about, which I love. By the, I'm so happy they're in love. And they, they probably tell each other that I love you. And I think that's nice. I think it's nice to see two people in love. Um, but Travis Kelsey, as they get ready for the wild card game tomorrow, which you can hear right here on KMOX, he was asked that question, are you done after this season? Do you, do you guys think about retirement? Am I the only one in this boat? No. I mean, is anybody else in this thing? All right. Is, whoever's not thinking about stuff down down the road, you know, I, I blame you. I think it's, uh, it's just I have no reason to stop playing football, man. I love it. Um, we still have success. Um, come in with a with the right mindset, and uh, I just love the challenge that it gives me every single day uh, to try and be at my best. And like I said, I have no uh, no desire to stop anytime soon. If you said you thought about it, what would you do if you weren't playing football? Um, that's the point. The the off season, you know, being able to get out there and really find uh, find what you love to do. And um, I've been fortunate to do a few things. Uh, outside of the sports world that I that I've been enjoying doing, like getting on camera, the SNL stuff uh, kind of opened up a new happiness and a new uh, maybe a new career path for me. But um, it's it's funny for me to even say that at this point in my career because uh, I think uh, it's so much further down the road than uh, than it is right now. Which okay, so there it is. Travis Kelsey is not retiring after this year. You don't have to worry about that if you're a Chiefs fan, uh, unless you want him to for some reason. But the this idea and and there have been these rumors that his team post football want to take him in a um sort of an acting direction like what the rock has done with his career which i like travis kelsey that might be a little bit of a stretch i don't know that that's his and i know he does commercials he acts in commercials but i don't know that that's his future so it's one thing I think, in, and in some ways, it's probably a little bit harder. And obviously, The Rock did it, but it's probably a little bit harder for people who are already that famous as themselves to then play a character, believably, right? I, I think it, when you walk into the movie theater, Travis Kelsey's only ever played himself. If you walked into the movie theater and Travis Kelsey is is you know the lead playing some fictional character in a serious drama, that's that's a a hurdle for him to clear. But he's he, had a good season. He does I don't have think an he's IMD, retiring. He does have an IMDb page. He was in a show called Moon Base 8. I don't know. That's what it says right here. <laughs> anyway, he's not going anywhere. That's Nate Gatter. I'm Chris Ranji. You've got KMOX. Is that we in St. Charles County started broadening and giving more educational options uh, to parents for their kids. Um, uh, school choice has kind of been a topic that's us and the legislator have been grappling with trying to figure out how we can give parents more choices when it comes to their children's education. And charter schools, in my opinion, is one of those steps to get there. 
That's Representative Justin Hicks, who was on the Chris and Amy show earlier in the week, an interview that you can go back and listen to on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, also KMOX.com. You can catch our show live. Um, but at any point, you can listen to that or go back and get the podcast, whatever you missed. It's all there. The Justin Hicks interview is there for you as well. And to get the other side of this issue and the possibility of charter schools coming to St. Charles County. We bring in on the Quiver River Electric guest line, Ted House, who is the co-founder of St. Charles County Families for Public Schools. And Mr. House is with us on KMOX. Hey, we appreciate your time. How you doing? Good afternoon, Chris and Nate. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, i got to say it's really cool to be on the Quiver River Electric guest line because I'm on the board of directors of Quiver River uh, Electric Cooperative, and uh, we appreciate KMOX. Well, well, we appreciate you being part of this whole thing. That's great to know. Uh, tell the Quiver River people we said hello. I've never met any of them until, uh, until you. Um, they are great people. So, and, and actually, uh, I was told that you are uh, good friends with John Hancock. Because we told, I told oh John goodness. that you're going to be on the show, and he said, "Oh, my guy, Ted House." <laughs> I served in the Missouri Legislature with uh, John Hancock. We loved his imitations of John Ashcroft and Ronald Reagan, and his his ragtime piano. He kept uh, he kept everything uh, light, uh, and he he is, is wonderful. As is Mr. Kelly, his partner. Michael Kelly, they are both terrific people, and I love them, and I love their relationship with each other because they're they're coming from different viewpoints politically, but they get along great. And I think we can all, uh, you know, really look at that and use that as an example and try to live that way. It's been very, very difficult, I know, with the political environment lately. And you are coming from a different viewpoint on when it comes to charter schools. I, when you hear uh, Mr. Hicks, who we had earlier this week, uh, talk about it, how do you respond to, first of all, what you heard him say as we began the segment? Well, we have formed St. Charles County Families for Public Schools to protect public education. And when you think about it, you know, at a, at a time when so much in society divides us, our, our public schools unite us. Our public schools bring us together. They provide a sense of community. And the question I have is, why do we want to take some of the best public schools in the state of Missouri and tear them apart, fragment them into pieces where everyone segregates themselves and retreats into their corners? Um, we, we think charter schools in, in St. Charles County would be devastating for our local school districts. One of the things that he cited, and I asked him essentially why, he wanted to do this. And we've heard this refrain a lot over the last couple of years um, about, and he, he didn't use the word indoctrination, but he sort of, he sort of alluded to it. And he, he said that, um, you know, when it comes to math class, teachers should be teaching math and not teaching social issues. And I'm paraphrasing. How much of a problem is that really? Because we hear about it like it is a massive problem in public schools. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate that there is this effort to undermine the public's confidence in, in our public schools. fact of the matter is people like their schools. They like their teachers. They like having strong neighborhood schools. 
But really, this this bill, I think, is part of a larger effort to undermine public education. We're, we're seeing bills to provide open enrollment, pitting one school district against another. We see bills to eliminate the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. We see bills to expand vouchers and tax credits that divert money from our local schools to private schools to defund the public education and, and privatize our schools. So, you know, we, we, we think that all of that is, is a bad idea. Schools can certainly always improve, but we want to we wanna fix them rather than try to uh, dismantle them. One of the real concerns that we have about charter schools is, is that their boards are unelected. Um, they're not nearly as accountable to the taxpayers as are our regularly, regular school districts. You know, we, we've heard that argument that proponents argue that charter schools provide options, you know. But what they don't say is that charter schools uh, take away the most important option that families need and want. That is a great, high-quality public school in your neighborhood. And we need public schools with the resources and the economy of scale to, to meet the needs of students of, uh, of different abilities. So it seems to us that uh, it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And charter schools would, uh, would fragment our local school districts that uh, – would be really counterproductive in terms of what's best for improving academic performance and and opportunity for our children. Ted, to that last point, I think you do hear people say sort of what's wrong with more choice. So could you detail for us a little bit of of some of the ways that you think the public schools would be undermined, that the the experience that essentially what you said, neighborhoods would lose great public schools by virtue of charter schools' existence? Yeah, the best option families want, you know, is a high quality public school in, in their neighborhood. And if we, if we erode that, if we, if we take away a good portion of their money or, you know, it, it, it's would be very uh, damaging to the community. Think about it. We can't find the teachers that we need as it is right now. Our school districts are having, having difficulty uh, staffing. You know, there's, there's been a very high turnover in teachers due in part to this, this attack on public education and, um, so how are we going to staff whatever 10, 15, 20 new different charter schools with qualified education educators? I mean, I, I think it would be a very inefficient duplication of, uh, of resources. The argument is, Ted, uh, one of them is that there are um, that these schools are getting too much money in some cases and there's a lot of bloat and administrators are mismanaging that money. And that's really part of the problem when it comes to schools. Is that not something that that should be a concern? Well, efficient management and transparency and accountability is very much a concern. You know, this this kind of gets into the larger issue surrounding our, our effort uh, to support public education. But it's it's um, you know, a- ask any real estate agent. You know, the most important thing for maintaining property values in a in a thriving community is is great local public schools. And, and with charters, we lose that. Certainly, we can make schools more efficient. I mean, any bureaucracy can be made more efficient. But but our view is we are in no danger in the state of Missouri of overfunding public education. Depending on the uh, criteria, we, we rank 45th, 48th, 49th among the 50 states in our funding for public schools. And uh, I don't I don't think giving too much to our public schools or paying our teachers too much is, is is a problem in our region. When we spoke to Representative Hicks early in the week, um, you, you know, I, I asked him the question, what do people in 
your area want? He says they want this. They want the charter schools. Is that what you're hearing? No, I've actually never heard that. You know, I had the privilege to serve the people of St. Charles County and, and other other counties for 32 years in elected office. I, I don't think I once had a constituent or citizen come up to me and say, hey, Ted, we need to we need to divide up our, our, our public schools and, and create a bunch of little uh, charter schools. You know, I mean, nobody ever said that to me. I don't think there's a demand for that at all. I mean, it. When, when charter schools were conceived, you know, in uh, the 1990s, when it was initially passed in the legislature, it seemed that that could be a viable option for underperforming schools. But unfortunately, in most cases, charters have not improved learning outcomes. The data is, is very disappointing on that. Many of them have simply collapsed. And just think of the damage that that does to, to the students who are in those schools that, that, that fall apart. I wish I could say that the experiment with charter schools in the in the underperforming districts uh, went better than it did, but uh, unfortunately, their their record is uh, is not that good. And I don't see any appetite for this in St. Charles County, which fortunately, frankly, has some of the the best school districts in the state. Former uh, Missouri State Senator Ted House, co-founder of St. Charles County Families for Public Schools, with us on KMOX. And um, one of the other things that Mr. Hicks said was that parents should be able to see the curriculum, should be able to see what the lesson plans are before their their children are taught anything in schools. And again, I, I believe this goes back to the fear of uh indoctrination or whatever you want to call it. Is that a problem in Missouri schools? And are parents able to, with public schools, see what their kids are being taught? Yes, they are. And I think uh, public schools want to be accountable and transparent. And that information should be available to parents. We certainly support uh, protecting parental rights and, and so that parents know what's going on in the schools. But again, if we have charter schools, those boards are unelected. They're not nearly as accountable to, uh, to taxpayers. And, and so I don't think that transparency uh, is there with charter schools. And regretfully, they've, where, we've, where we've tried them, they have not improved uh, learning outcomes. Uh, Ted, your, your uh, assertion is that public schools should be strengthened and not weakened. What do you think is ultimately going to happen here, and what is the plan to make sure that public schools are strong? Well, that's one of the reasons we formed uh, this nonpartisan political action committee called St. Charles County Families for Public Schools. I mean, there's an attack on public education, frankly, um, an effort to undermine public education. Again, you know, uh, efforts to divert the money away to, to privatize education. Um, to pit one school district against another through uh, open enrollment, you know. Um, and, and we just need to support our schools, support our teachers, because public education is essential to, to a thriving community. We feel like it's the bedrock of democracy, and we need to have really good, high-quality uh, local public schools. And you don't do that if you tear them apart by, by fragmenting them into pieces through, uh, through charter schools. So, you know, some... It's just part of the overall uh, effort to to support our teachers, support our families, um, empower parents, and and have have really great public schools. That's that's where we need to go. So the, this charter school thing is really in its early stages. What do you, if if you had to 
uh, try and, and project what's going to happen, what do you think that would be? Well, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen in this uh, this legislature? I mean, it's it's largely chaos, unfortunately, um, these days in the legislature. And I, I, I say that with a heavy heart, but they have a great deal of trouble functioning. Um, and, and people are just yearning for, for functional, accountable, responsible civil government. And uh, unfortunately, we're not getting that from the Missouri legislature right now. I mean, they, they have trouble agreeing on what day of the week it is. I, I, I would certainly hope that this bill to create charter schools in St. Charles County would not pass. And frankly, hope that they're not able to expand, you know, the, the tax credits and the vouchers that diverts money away from, from our local schools to, uh, to defund public education. I mean, I, we, what we really need is for um, people who care about our schools, people who care about their property values, their, their neighborhoods, the cohesiveness of their community, people with kids in school, people with grandkids, um, to, to get out and vote on April the 2nd and elect school board members who really support public education, and then elect legislators that are, that are going to stand up for our schools and not contribute to this, this uh, narrative that, you know, schools are indoctrinating our kids and teaching children to hate America and, and doing all these terrible things, when in fact um, we've got some of the greatest school districts around, and they're full of wonderful, hardworking people who are dedicated public servants and who love children and who are, are dedicated to the best interests of the, of the children and the families that they serve. Those are, the, those are the public education and staff people that I know, and I think it's time to stand up for them. Former State Senator Ted House, appreciate your time. Thank you for visiting with us today. You are very welcome. It's been my pleasure. Ted House, co-founder of St. Charles County Families for Public Schools, with us on KMOX. And because here on the Chris and Amy Show, it's the only show in St. Louis that cares about you, Um, I don't think anybody else does, to be perfectly honest. All week, we have given away tickets for Billy Joel and Sting. Today is the last day we're doing it. In fact, this moment right now is the last time we are doing it for the week. Caller number 18 to 314-436-7900 will get to see Billy Joel and Sting in a one-night show at Bush Stadium, September 27th. Tickets on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Good luck. It's Nate Gatter in for Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji on KMOX. My name is Stephen in St. Peter's. I'm going to the show. Hey, Stephen, St. Peter's. Steve or Stephen? Stephen. Stephen. Stephen from St. Peter's. You kind of made it into what? Stephen St. Peter's. Congratulations. St. Peter's. Maybe that's his name. Congratulations, Bubba. You're going to go see the piano man and the guy from the police Bubba. at uh, Bush Stadium, September 27th. Uh, tickets on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Um, man, this was a fun week giving away Billy Joel stuff. The show, we've been talking. Hey, uh, you weren't here because I don't know what the hell you've been doing, Nate Gatter, uh, filling in for Amy. I uh, we talked a lot about this Gravoy Park thing with the yeah, surveillance I heard some drones. I heard some of that conversation yesterday. Was it? Yes. We talked to uh, Alicia Sanye, who's a uh, older woman, and then we talked to uh, a resident, and nobody wanted this. Here's what was going on briefly: a company from Washington D.C. decided unilaterally, without contacting the city or telling anybody they were doing it. They decided that they were going to send surveillance drones to Gravoy Park so that they could look out for crime. And the residents caught wind of it and said, what are you doing? I mean, who among us this hasn't This is a done ridiculous a invasion of privacy. Um, 
and you didn't run it by any of us? And you're not, you don't even live here? Well, who the hell are you? So naturally they were upset. Cease and desist was sent. And so the company, SMS Novel, uh, says that after careful consideration, we have decided to withdraw the beta test from Gravoy Park. But, however, they said they're going to pick a different neighborhood. And not tell you. <laughs> okay. Because his contention is, we've been doing it for two months. You didn't even know it. After careful consideration, I've decided to continue doing it, but hopefully you'll shut up Jomo about it. Jomo Johnson seems like a real scumbag. I just won't tell you and hope what? I get away with it this time. What an awful person. It's got to be. Anyway, Nate Gatter, thanks for hanging out. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, 10 o'clock on Monday, it is winter warm-up broadcast. Tom Ackerman and me will be there with you from Ballpark Village on KMOX. Go off, Queens. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.